Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. And now it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Out over the air. So there I'm you go. Say, I'm going to still assume. Now I can hear you. Thank you, mate. Yes, thank you. Hey, you're doing it right. Problem solving, and you nailed it, so thank you. Apparently on the jazz broadcast, because I would like start and then couldn't hear myself, so I would stop and be like, Welcome Yeah, but everyone can hear you. Yeah, and everybody here, you know, heard that spectacular good radio. Bit of radio. I can't hear myself, am I on? Anyway, we're here. Hi, Ben. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Uh, I told you, perfect morning. We just met with our sales staff. We did. It was nice. No, nice to meet everybody. It I mean, was. we've met everybody, but you kind of need to reintroduce yourself every couple of months. It's been busy since we've all moved over here. It has been, and uh, it's it's been great. A lot of good, a lot of good folks over there. That was that was certainly fun to interact. But yes, you came in this morning and you set a very high bar. We said, Ben, how's how's your morning, Ben? Because I get in here the very last of anybody. I make sure I'm not in the door a second sooner than I have to be. You're in I've here. You that. and Lloyd and Megan are working hard. You're putting the show together, and I very casually just stumble on in, stumble in at the last second. So I appreciate your guys' hard work. You're welcome. <laughs> But that's but, how you get perfect morning. You said you, you had sleep a perfect in. morning. Is oh, that yeah. what it is? You rest up, you sleep in, you take your time, you know everyone else is doing the hard work for you. You plunge that coffee? Abs- oh, I did. A double cup. And uh, and then you uh, come in casual and comfortable. You I've got Phoenix Suns fans in my mentions today on Twitter. They're mad at me. Really? For what? I tweeted out early in the game yesterday, it was the Jazz were playing the Phoenix Suns. And of course, this was a Jazz team that started Trent Forrest, Daniel House, Rudy Gay, Jordan Clarkson, and Hassan Whiteside, which is not probably a team that's competing for a playoff if they had to play 82 games together. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think they're a playoff team if those are the 82 uh, games that we saw. I'm guessing no. And I tweeted out in the first quarter because Book, Devin Booker, decided it's Booker time. If you watch the first quarter, I think it's 17 first quarter points. And look, he cooked. He was cooking this Jazz team. But I tweeted out kind of early, 
I said nobody loves juicing their numbers more against a bad basketball team than Devin Booker. Which, of course, is true. Oh, I, he did it for a bad basketball team for the first five years of his career. Right. And we saw him come into Vivint Smart Home Arena at the time, Vivint Smart Home Arena, and put up, was it 58? I think he fell short of 60. But he was trying to get 60. Maybe he got there. I but, think he did get there. But it was with Jimmer on the floor. The Jazz were fouling other people with the ball to put them at the free throw line so Devin Booker couldn't score to get to 60 points, even though the Suns were losing by like 25 points. It was just an absolute joke. Devin Booker subbed himself back into a game That's to get 60. That's the most 60, part. Ignoring former Jazz assistant Igor Kokoshkov. Ignored him, put himself back in the game so he could get to 60 in a game his team was losing by 25 points. There's the famous photo of Devin Booker holding a pic, uh, a paper that says 70 on it because he scored 70, like Wilt Chamberlain, in a game that they lost by 30 points to the Boston Celtics. My man, good numbers on a losing team don't mean a whole lot to anybody. So anyways, I just said last night, nobody loves juicing their numbers against a bad team more than Devin Booker. And then, you know what? He ended up taking a career-high 35 field goals in a game. Field goal attempts. In a game that, like, there was zero question the Suns were going to pull out and win that game eventually. And you know who knew that? Chris Paul. Chris Paul said, fine, let him hang around for 36 minutes. We don't have to bust our backs for the first 36 minutes of the game. I'll do it in the fourth quarter. And that's what Chris Paul did. Chris Paul was brilliant in the fourth quarter. He took over every possession, exploited every matchup, found every open player. Like, Chris Paul was insanely good in the fourth quarter last night. But I tweeted that Devin Booker really likes to juice his numbers against bad teams or four bad teams. So fans apparently Google Devin Booker because none of these people follow me on Twitter, but they're searching for Devin Booker's name on Twitter and they're in. Uh, they're still in my mentions today. They're mad at me. What are they saying? Oh, You just... want to read some? Oh yeah, let me see if I can find some. Here, I can even do... Let me see if I can find some quote tweets. It's kind of hard to do on the tweet deck, but I'll, uh, I'll pull it up here. Do you want to pull up some mean tweets and we can tease it for later, later in the show? We could have Megan read them? Sure. Do you want to do that? Or I can pull some up later. I mean, I've, I've got them. I've got it here. So it, this is kind of even blowing up this morning. I went to sleep and this tweet wasn't doing very well. And now it's got like 34 quote tweets. So it's like it's made the round in the sun circles, which is the problem. By the way, did I tell you I got in trouble last year with the sun's social media people? For what? Did I ever tell you this? So the Sun's social media person last year, there's some funny backstory here, actually forward story that ends up coming on at later in the show. Um, the Suns last year would tweet using the word I. So from the Phoenix Suns Twitter account, they would say, I love when Devin Booker does this. I love this team. Okay. I love DeAndre Ayton. It's a pet peeve of mine. Because when you're a social media manager who runs a brand, like if I took over KSL Sports' Twitter account. Yeah, it's not or, Ben. It's, it's KSL not me, Sports. And I do, yeah, I do right. some of the live tweeting during jazz games from kslsports.com. And we, we put some voice in there. We put some opinion in there. Certainly it's, it's a little more colorful. But it's not, man, I love that play. Man, I think this is right. a great jazz team. No, you, you speak for a brand. So it's a, it's a we. If it's anything. Us. Or just state it. Correct. They use the I. Uh-huh. And I tweeted last year, even in a game that I was just watching the game and I had it on Twitter, it had nothing to do with the Jazz. And I tweeted, there's nothing worse in the NBA than the Phoenix Suns brand. And I don't even think I tagged them in it. Mm-hmm. Than the Phoenix Suns brand using I in their tweets. And the social media manager, during another game between the Suns and a different team, quote tweeted my tweet and said, what do you know? You covered the Jazz, which they ended up getting in a lot of trouble for in Phoenix to the point where I heard it made it to the top rungs of the 
Bob Sarver was management, like, not quite that high, but right. actually the person who's running the show there, uh-huh. who's in charge, who's actually been the reason this team has been so good, and really kind of condemned this person for making a big thing because the league went after them, because the league is that these teams are supposed to play nice with each other. You know, the, the NBA yeah. looks bad. If, do you remember a few years ago, the Dallas Mavericks? I think they beat the, they got beat by the Houston Rockets in a playoff series. And the Houston Rockets tweeted out an emoji that was a horse for the Dallas yeah, Mavericks and the, and the gun. Well, how about just this week? How about the Bucks? Yes, exactly. The Bucks tweeted out a picture of Grayson, Grayson Allen, Allen after he heard Alex the Caruso. Day after, and yes. Caruso's season is over. And I promise by the you, the, the league knows this. The league recognizes yeah. this. They will come after you if you do this type of stuff. So. It, it ended up causing By the a way, stink just for this person. Don't, don't say so. come after. I mean, that sounds so like, are, is the league going to hunt them down and like, no, bury like, them in the desert? They will they certainly will. <laughs> like, send an, an email being like, stop doing this. Yeah, they don't come after you. Adam Silver will come after you. They'll send an email saying, stop doing this. You, you know, know what that, I mean? Play uh, nice. So that they took us. Hold on. What's Penelope Cruz's husband's name? I don't have any idea. With a guy in No Country for Old Men. Oh, is she Brolin? No, the bad guy. The guy with the oh, oxygen thing. Shiger. Anton Shiger. Yeah, Is yeah. that his name, really? It's his name in the, uh, yeah, in the movie. Yeah, but no, that's not his real name. Anyway, that guy is coming for you if you mess with, uh, with the NBA on this. Anyway, sorry. I thought that was a funny So anyways, visual. they took a shot at the Jazz, which I don't even represent the Jazz. No. I represent KSLSports.com at the time. And I was tweeting from my account. I wasn't even tweeting from the KSL account. And they took a shot at the Jazz during a game with an, uh, against another team. Another team. So anyways, I, I have found myself in some circles of, of anger from opposing fan bases at times. And I was already, I think, on the sides. I, Sixers fans don't like me. And Suns fans don't like me. And all I said last night was, Devin Booker loves juice in his numbers against a bad basketball team. And yes, now Suns fans are, are once again coming after me. Like Anton Shiger in No Country for Old Men. Well... We'll have to read a few of these mean tweets. Javier Bardem. There you go. Do they go after you personally? Oh, I mean, this one's... I can't read this one on the air. Sure you can. We'll read it in the break and we'll edit it. No, I'm not going to put that one on. That's a That one's unfair to read. Can you read some of these tweets in the voice in which you envision the person having? Oh, I don't want to get myself in more trouble. What? Come on. <laughs> you can look at them. You can pull up my tweet on Twitter. And you can look at the quote tweets on it, and you can see people really mad at me. There are I, I haven't even looked at all these this morning. We got up. I told you. I got up late. I made coffee. I let you guys do the work, and then I came in late. There's a lot of people that are really frustrated with me today. I really didn't recognize that. Huh. This got more out of hand than I was expecting. Yeah, Suns fans are pissed. Suns fans are really mad at me right now. They'll be all right. No, of course they'll be fine. It's fine. I wasn't even... Saying anything pro-jazz. I mean, I called the Jazz a bad basketball team. That was a bad basketball team last night. Go check it out. Go look at the tweet for yourself. Okay, hold on. Let's see. Go find... Or look, you can get on Twitter and just Whoa, search... Whoa, Brad's aggressive. Ba- yeah, I think that was the yeah, one I couldn't right. read on the air. Uh, go Twitter or get on Twitter and just in the search bar type at Ben's Hoops and you will see majority okay, of my mentions here, now are from Suns this is This is from, uh, let's see, at Midnight Suns Fan. Yeah. How, do I, how do I picture this one, this, this person astounding? Hey, if you're going to put hoops in your handle in front of God and everybody, you should at least attempt to not be this dumb. Can I tell you the truth? Can I tell you the truth, Jake? I wasn't thinking of the Lord when I changed my Twitter handle from Ben K. Fan when I lost my job at 
Ben K fan to Ben's Hoops because I didn't want to lose my, uh, I didn't have to change my Twitter handle anymore, and I just wanted to give everyone a sense of what I covered for a living. I was not thinking about the Lord when uh, I put my let's name out see. there. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. This is from Sun's Uni Tracker. Why is it always the guy with a name like Ben Anderson who has to try and talk? <laughs> At least he mean? was right about the Jazz being a bad basketball right. team. Right, I was. I was right about the Jazz being a bad basketball team. You know what the thing is, though? Devin Booker stands, as we'll use the term, the popular term, a stan, or, or these diehard fans. And a lot of these people are not Suns fans. They're Devin Booker fans. This is like the weird group of Kobe fans that existed. If you remember, there were people who were diehard Kobe fans that weren't even Laker fans, but they were Kobe above all else. Kobe could do nothing wrong. Kobe was a prolific scorer, never had any issues. And of course, you know, you don't want to speak ill of anyone who lost their life, and that was a tragedy. That's not what we're talking about. But you could not be critical of Kobe Bryant on the basketball court for a really long time without people coming after you. And for some reason, after he retired, a lot of those fans ended up with Devin Booker. Like he ended up being this guy that a lot of these weird fans are like so protective of his game, which is really funny to me because I don't know what he did that caused people to draw those connections or those comparisons to Kobe. Man, somebody called you a clown? I love that yeah. insult. Yeah. That's a fantastic yeah. insult. Let's see. <laughs> I could do this all day. Yeah. They're- uh, let's see. No one else loves trying to pad their Twitter engagement numbers than talking heads who don't actually watch book on a regular basis. I don't know, man. <laughs> Such a bad take on so many levels, clown. Guys, he took 35 shots against the team that he, they rolled out of bed with a victory over. The Jazz yeah. honestly didn't try to win that game, and he took 35 field goal attempts in the that Mr. game. The Mr. Rogers clown Yeah, I put the mask is, on Mr. Rogers. I got that one. really funny. Anyways, uh, you can find it. Wait, wait, wait. What's this all about? You mad because your squad is Cheeks. Book owns the Jazz. Go cry about it. What is Cheeks? Cheeks. When you say someone's Cheeks, it means they're bad at basketball, like butt Cheeks. It says their cheeks. When does that become a thing? <laughs> it's like a new kid thing, huh? Oh, I've got a... Uh, Megan doesn't know cheeks? Oh, yeah, it's cheeks. In fact, I took a... One of the reasons Philadelphia 76ers fans are mad at me because I took a picture of a guy here wearing a Maurice Cheeks jersey, and I said, this is how the 76ers are playing in the first half because it was just one of those games where the Sixers came in and didn't really play very well in Utah. And I've used cheeks before, and it's got me in trouble before. I don't know, Jake. I can't handle the heat. Obviously, I can't handle this pressure. Maybe I was wrong about my morning being perfect. somebody. Somebody's accusing you of of pandering to a certain demographic that I don't think you're pandering to. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Maybe I am. Uh, Crybaby ass says Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. This is really entertaining. It was. It was funny. Yeah, this is really it funny. Was funny. Yeah. Okay. People, people, people took that way more sensitively than I thought. People were hurt. People were quote in their feelings about this tweet about Devin Booker getting a lot of shots up and being particularly awful last night. I mean, the Jazz were targeting Devin Booker, and I'm not trying to run on Devin Booker. Like he helped just lead hater, the Suns. He helped lead the Suns to the finals last year. Like he absolutely established himself as an All Star and a guy who can perform in the playoffs. I still think Chris Paul is their best player, but that's not a knock on Devin Booker. Like Chris Paul is a lock Hall of Famer. The Jazz last night were just fine with Devin Booker shooting because he took 35 shots and he scored 33 points. That's a negative offensive rating like that's a below one offensive rating great you'll take that every time and then on the defensive side of the ball which actually was funny 
because Rudy Gobert, not two weeks ago, was lauding yeah. Devin Booker's defense. The Jazz, without Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, and Mike Conley, were just taking turns teeing off on Devin Booker, which was the only reason they were in that game in the second half. They just said, find Book and drive on him every single time, and they got to the rim every single time against Devin Booker. So, Gobert was wrong about Devin Booker, at least... Last night he was wrong. I'm sure there's other games. I know there's other games where he plays better defensively. But the Jazz really went after him last night on both ends of the floor and had a lot of success. Okay. Are you ready for this stat? (laughs) As long as we're talking about Devin Booker, are you ready for this stat? It's the sixth fewest points any NBA player has scored with 35-plus shot attempts since 2005. Yeah. Are you ready for the list? Sure. Oh, I know who else is on it. Well, Rudy Gay is number one. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. With 29 points. Yeah. Tied for second between Bradley Beal in 2019 and Jalen Brown in 2021 at 30. Okay. Donovan Mitchell yep, in Don's 2018 at 31. Kobe Bryant in 2010 at 32. And Devin Booker last night at 33. Yep. So it's not, you know, it's not a great game. No, he was, the he, only was player, bad. he was the only player on his team with a negative plus minus too. Yeah, wasn't Devin he? Booker was awful last night. That's not a shot at Devin Booker. No, but he, I mean, you don't do the things you said, and maybe he's turned over a new leaf and he's not the player anymore, and I think there is something to that. But yeah, he loves to fill the stat sheet. Whatever, I don't even blame players that much who want to fill the stat sheet. Carlos Boozer got every rebound on a missed free throw, I think, in his entire oh. time here with the Jazz. Guys, every single time. I mean, look, I think he probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame regardless. But Russell Westbrook's going into the Hall of Fame because he was the first player since Oscar Robertson to average a triple-double, and because he did that, he got an MVP award out of it. Now, there's going to be more guys that average triple-doubles going forward that we thought was going to be a stat that nobody ever did again, and we just didn't realize the evolution of the league was going to push guys like DeJounte Murray for the Spurs basically averages a triple-double. He's like nine rebounds, nine assists, and 17 points a game. Like, what Russ did is not going to be that unheard of going forward. But his MVP award is going to help get him into the Hall of Fame. He, he got a Supermax deal. Absolutely He's still on it. Absolutely steals stats from his teammates. Yes. Russell Westbrook lines up on the free throw line as a guard to get rebounds. It doesn't make any sense. He's a good rebounder for a guard. He's not better for the other big guys that were on his rosters that could easily grab rebounds better than he could. But if a rebound comes off on a missed free throw, he gets mad at you if you grab it from him and ruin his stats. And it happens. Hey, Rudy Gobert does it. Rudy Gobert has a bonus in his contract where if he gets X percentage of mm-hmm. defensive rebounds, he gets a bonus. So when watch him watch Rudy Gobert grab rebounds, he will fight his teammates for rebounds because he needs to get X amount to get bonuses or to lead the league. Like this is not uncommon in the NBA. No, and I don't blame players for doing it, Ben. But it doesn't mean it's productive either. Correct. And when you have a history like Devin Booker does, scoring 70 against the Celtics in a game you lose by 30, checking yourself back into a game to score 60 against the Jazz in a loss when ultimately what should matter if you're win or losing, it doesn't necessarily give you the equity or the credibility to say that's not what you're doing. And it's why if you're a top 20 player in the league, not a top 5 player, but a top 20 player in the league, give me the Bradley Beal approach. Give me a bad team. Correct. I'm going to go out and Correct. play my way into an Correct. all-NBA player and a Supermax deal. Here we go. I, I read a uh, uh, an article last week about how Bradley Beal has no intention of leaving Washington. Right. That's the way I'd go. That guy is going to make not a bad way to live. several hundred million dollars and has never been a top ten player in the league ever. You're beloved. You get all the shots you want, and you have a short season. <laughs> It's pretty nice. And you have a long vacation. You a long Great summer. point. You get a real long summer. Great point. I'm going to I'm going to take a month in the Barbados. You guys are playing? 
Oh, I've been in Jamaica <laughs> for a while. 35 days. <laughs> and we make the same. Yeah. And we make the same. I make more, actually, because I score more points right. than you do. Oh, you've got, a, you've got a ring or you went to the conference finals. Good for you. I've I'll, got a tan. I'll see you at the Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> I'll be there, too. I got all the points. Totally the true. If I'm Jeremy Grant, I'm being like, Detroit, don't worry about it. Yeah, correct. I'm here. Right. I'm here. Let's make it happen. You know what? You want to sign me to an extension? I'll talk. Let's I'm willing do it. to talk. I'm in. It's totally true. All right. We'll have uh, more coming up next. We'll, so I let, apologize to Suns fans. He wasn't juicing his stats. No, he took 35 shots. He wasn't he juicing, was his juicing his stats. Yeah, he, he, was wasn't. Just, he was just bad at it. He only scored 33 points, so he couldn't have been. 35 shots. Remember when Kobe took 50 shots to get That's 60 points? That's what people never talk about in that final game where everybody just and, – and, hey, the way the Kobe story ended, I, I, I feel uncomfortable talking about talk this. But we can talk about Kobe on the court. It, I've said it a lot. It's like, okay, that last game, yeah, I guess there's some sp- storybook nature to it. But I would hope he scored that many points if he took 50 shots. Anyway. Here's a guy. Can I read you this DM I just got? This yes. violent. From a Suns fan? I'm going to blur this out as best I can, so get the dump button ready, Megan, in case I mess this up. Here comes little Ben being a blank again. This is from Ben Wayne on uh, Twitter. Why don't you go blank yourself and stop being an annoying blank? That was the worst one he said, an annoying blank on Twitter. You're a great representation of what's wrong with the state of Utah. A bunch of racist blanks. Was I racist there? I'm sorry if I was. I don't think I was, though. Anyways. I'm not... I don't think so either. Did he call you Little Ben? Is that what he said? Yeah, here comes Little Ben again, being a blank again. Here comes Little Ben. Why don't you go blank yourself and stop being an annoying blank on Twitter? You're a great representation of what's wrong with the state of Utah. A bunch of racist blanks. More Jake and Little Ben (laughs) coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz dropped a tough one against the Suns last night on the road with a shorthanded roster. Here's Coach Snyder talking about Trent Forrest uh, taking advantage of playing time. When you're playing in that role behind two guys that were in the all-star backcourt last year, whatever that looks like, Mike and Don are obviously core of our team. So Trent's not going to get those opportunities all the time, but he's just steadily improved. And we talked about him just being confident to take that corner three. You know, we believe in him taking that shot. People are going to go under him on pick and roll. He has the ability to get in the lane and make plays too. And then again, on the defensive end, his length makes him a factor. This Jazz Update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with five-star painting they've got the time skills and tools fivestarpainting.com that's fivestarpainting.com who's got it better than us your home for the best sports coverage in utah you're listening to jake scott and ben anderson on 97.5 1280 the zone Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. All right, let's actually talk about the game last night outside of Devin Booker hoisting the ball 35 times and was yet only mean? making was, 14 of them. Was what I said mean? If it was mean, I honestly apologize. Do Suns fans know? To Devin Booker personally? Maybe. Okay. All right. But I, I apologize. I don't know if Devin Booker really cares. I apologize. And it is kind of your job to critique the NBA, so can anybody really hold that against you? You know what? I apologize. But I guess if Devin Booker himself wants to be grumpy with you, sure. But Suns fans? Yeah. yeah. I get it. Knock you love your out. team. 
That's all right. That's why we're here. Um, the Jazz themselves put up one heck of a fight last night, Ben. I, I'm honestly surprised. They covered the 11-point spread in Vegas. They lose 115 to 109. They actually took a lead into the fourth quarter. And as you alluded to earlier in the show, Chris Paul really took over. Um, he ended the game with 27 points, 14 assists, and 9 rebounds, but uh, really did most of that damage in the fourth quarter. The Jazz didn't really have an answer, and he was uh, really, really good. The Jazz went from scoring points to not really scoring points in a stretch there in the fourth. And uh, that was it. Jordan Clarkson kind of had a late uh, flurry, but it was uh, it was not enough. In fact, um, the Suns had a twenty to five run from the nine and a half minute mark in the fourth quarter to the three and a half minute mark of the fourth quarter. Phoenix shot eight for nine from the floor during that same time period. The Jazz were two for eleven. So there's your game. The Jazz were doomed by two quarters, the first quarter and the fourth quarter. They only scored 21 points in the first quarter and 22 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's when the Suns obviously came out a little bit sharper, and then at the end of the game they sharpened up to, to make sure they were able to beat the Jazz. But maybe the biggest credit is that, you know, uh, Mikael Bridges had to play 35 minutes, Cam Johnson had to play 38 minutes, Devin Booker had to play 38 minutes, and Chris Paul, 17 years in the league, he had to play 40 minutes. Now that is because their bench is pretty beat up. Uh, they didn't have DeAndre Ayton, they didn't have Jay Crowder, uh, so they are playing pretty deep into their second unit of guys they don't necessarily want to play. But you really made them play their starters beyond regular starters minutes, and and that's probably a victory considering you weren't playing any of your starters or Joe Ingles in this game. Uh, But I thought the Jazz young group of guards, and I'm going to include Daniel House in this, even though you can say he's a forward or whatever you want, uh, I thought they were really impressive. I thought Trent Forrest was really good. I thought uh, Jared Butler was pretty good. And I thought Daniel House showed... In my opinion, Jake, he's got to be around the rest of the season. I don't think you let Daniel House hit free agency again and not have him on this roster. Yeah. I Well, I think he's a useful player. You have to, have a, you have to fill another roster spot. Now, you can do that via trade and take on two players by sending out one or sending out a second-round draft pick and getting a player back. But Daniel House isn't going to cost you anything to bring him back for the rest of the year. You'll get him at a vet minimum. And, man, what, what else do you want? He runs hard. He plays defense. He can score. Passes the ball. Well, maybe they're waiting for Jimmer to get back from China. Maybe. 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 I doubt it, but maybe. Uh, I'm glad you at least laughed at that a little bit. Um, no, I mean, you. you uh, I think you got to talk to your pro personnel guys, and if you don't think that there's another prospect out there worth bringing in and trying out, then absolutely. I think he's he's done well with his time. I thought his post game last night after the game was really interesting. He is very comfortable here and he went out of his way to say a lot of nice things not only about the franchise but coach Quinn Snyder and maybe he is trying to kind of butter everybody up for Absolutely. a gig but you know he did compare it to other places he's been and uh, and compared it quite favorably so if he really does fit in I think his skill set is useful. Of course, we're we're not talking about signing the seventh guy in your rotation. No. So if you think there is potential there and when his number is called that he's not going to lose it for you, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's a guy that if you had to play in the playoffs, I think you're comfortable with. You're not relying on him to win you a playoff game. But if for five minutes, Donovan gets in foul trouble, Mike Conley gets in foul trouble, Boyan Bogdanovich misses a game because he's got a broken finger, Royce O'Neal gets in foul trouble or you know twists his ankle and can't play, you feel good playing Daniel House in a playoff series. You didn't feel good playing Mie Oni in a playoff series. Right. No offense to Mie. No, but, but you didn't. You were trying to see where his potential was, and it just didn't line up with the Jazz championship window. What the Jazz are trying to do is being a, a very good playoff team. Mieoni wasn't ready to contribute, and that roster spot was probably too valuable at that point. So right now, Daniel House, being in the league for whatever, four or five years that he's been around, 
is a guy that you can feel comfortable having on the floor, and he's not going to lose you the game. I mean, he played 42 minutes last night and was by no means the reason the Jazz ended up losing that oh, game no. in the fourth quarter. No, uh, They just weren't talented enough to win that game. What you need, Ben, is Ronnie Price. Remember when, uh, when Derek Fisher... I think it was the Derek Fisher series against the Rockets when he was dealing with his daughter and wasn't with the team. And yep. Ronnie Price had to basically play a backup point guard behind yep. Darren Williams. And he didn't win them games, but he came in, he played really good minutes, and he yes. didn't lose them the game. Yep. They didn't go into the turlet when when he stepped onto the floor, which we've seen with other players. And I think, I think Daniel House can be that, certainly, if for some reason, you know, uh, you know, Joe or somebody takes a game off, he's not going to come in and lose it in the 10 minutes or 15 minutes that he has to play. And I think, you know, we, we can argue that it was, oh, the Clippers went small last year against the Jazz, and that was one of the reasons why they ended up beating the Jazz in the playoffs. But some of it was the the Clippers had better playable depth down their bench than the Jazz had. So when the Clippers wanted to make adjustments, they could throw out guys like Amir Coffey who could come in and play, bell, play well. They could play Rajon Rondo when they wanted to in games, and he actually came and was, was you know a pretty good contributor at times. They were able to switch a couple of things up with the depth on their roster, even after Kawhi Leonard got hurt, and the Jazz really didn't have enough pieces to go out and, and, and shake up their roster and put out different lineups that they would trust, because you don't trust playing George Niang at center. And that's not to kick a guy, you know, as he's out the door playing in another city. Well, but you can trust playing Rudy Gay at the center now if you need to for a couple of minutes yeah. to try and break an opposing team's lineup. Well, calling Jawan Morgan's number is not the same thing as calling Eric Pascal's number. 100%. 100%. Or calling Mieoni's number, or even Trent Forrest. And I thought Trent was really good last night. I won't be surprised even if you convert him from a two-way contract to a full contract, though you certainly don't have to. He's on a two-way deal. Keep him around at, you know, at a cheap price as long as you can. But you're probably still more comfortable playing Daniel House in big minutes in a game than you are Trent Forrest because you just need Daniel House to play defense and shoot threes. And then, like I said, he might grab a couple of rebounds. He might hand out a couple of assists. But last night, I mean, you saw a lot of really good performances. I mean, I thought Pascal was good again. I think he continues to demand minutes. We'll see if if that actually happens. You mentioned Trent Forrest, who was really good. Um, Daniel House played well. I thought Jared Butler, your guy, came in and and gave him some good good minutes. Still likes to dribble. Loves to dribble, loves to shoot. Some good minutes. Yeah, Uh, love hitting a three on Chris Paul, as he talked about in the post game. Yeah. Uh, So you know. The Jazz were never going to win that game last night. No. Uh, I thought they gave about as as good an effort as they possibly could. And I thought Quinn Snyder was was really interesting after the game when he said, if these guys can give us that, yes. everybody can give us Quinn that. Quinn has been very candid lately. I think it is last over the last you know 10 games where the Jazz are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, because guys have been so hurt, he's just kind of telling the truth and kind of speaking as he sees it. There's not a lot of coach speak involved. He really is just saying... You know, we got to play harder. These guys are playing hard. We need to play better defense. Like he said it last night, and I'm going to pull this sound for you, and we're, we're going to play it for you coming up in the next hour. He's just talking about how the Jazz over relied on, on Rudy Gobert. He just bailed him out too many times, kind of to back what Gobert said a couple of weeks ago. He has been candid, and you're right. He said last night, if these guys can give us this type of effort, there's no reason we can't get this every single night. And look, Jake, I think to your point that you were making that I argued against you with earlier this week, or it must have been last week, is that, you know, this roster, if it just plays harder, might have the pieces to win a championship. They just need to play harder. They just have so regularly not shown that fight over this you know, last month or so that when you see it last night, it's just refreshing. It's easy to watch. It was fun to watch that game because they were playing so hard. I thought it was fun to watch the Detroit game because they were really playing hard on the defensive end, and we just haven't seen enough of that from the team. No, and maybe this is a little bit of a message, and they get a little bit of a better vibe going. I, we need to get to that sound clip you're talking about from Quinn Snyder in the pregame. 
because I thought it was extraordinarily eye-opening. And maybe they, they do have the pieces, maybe they don't. But, you know, the, this team has not been playing hard for a while. Correct. Call it focus, call it whatever you want. But it's just, I mean, coming back to the point where you you rewatched film on the third quarter against the Rockets. I yeah. Mean, Right. Yeah. It, it, it's not hard to see when they're playing hard and when they're not playing hard. Uh, and I do want to say this. I'm not trying to run Joe Ingles out of the building. And I wrote about this last night at KSLSports.com. At some point, because he costs $14 million, because he's on an expiring contract, whether you trade him before the February, whatever, 13th or 12th trade deadline, or you let his contract expire and you make one more playoff run with him, I think it's probably cost prohibitive to bring him back next season when you have a Trent Forrest or a Jared Butler or a Daniel House, who I won't be surprised if the Jazz try and sign to a multi-year deal that's non-guaranteed, which teams get the ability to do. They really can, I don't want to say take advantage of Well, kind of like Royce O'Neal's first contract. Correct. You sign him yeah. for the rest of the season, plus a team option for, honestly, maybe the next two years. And he says, well, man, I'm probably in the NBA. I might as well take that opportunity. And you hold on to him for that sense. And at that point, because you're going to re-sign Trent Forrest if you can afford him next year, and you probably ought to be able to, with a guy like Jared Butler, who you've got under contract next season, I just don't really see a scenario where you're playing Joe Ingles next year on the roster. Or you, and you probably just can't afford to pay him if he wants to stick around in the NBA anyways. So I do think you're going to see the Jazz try and figure out how to use those three guys, Trent Forrest, Jared Butler, or Daniel House, and figure out how they fit into this rotation for the rest of the year. There's, That's what I'm going to be watching. I don't think there's any way Joe Ingles is on this roster after the trade deadline. I would be very, very surprised. In fact, a... Uh, uh, barely, I don't want to say a poorly written story because Sportando, if you know about yeah. Sportando, they're really well, like they don't get it wrong a whole lot. No, they, they're plugged in. But they had a one a one sentence story last night that said the Jazz are interested in Robert Covington, which is something we've talked about on the show. Yeah. And you could actually make a one for one trade with Joe Ingles and Robert Covington in the salaries match. They may want a second round draft pick or, you know, maybe a young player like an Elijah Hughes involved. And maybe the Jazz are willing to part with somebody like that to get a rental for Robert Covington. But th- there are options out there for the Jazz that I think they could probably get value back for Joe Ingles and then feel comfortable playing a Trent Forrest or a Daniel House or a Jared Butler minutes if they have to for the rest of the season. I think even if Joe was playing a little bit more like he was last year, I think they'd still move him. His contract is just the most movable asset that they have. And if they want to add another piece, and he's, what's Joe now on the roster? The sixth, seventh, not the sixth guy. He's what, the seventh man, eighth man on the roster? Yeah, I mean, he's probably only ahead of Hassan Whiteside. If, you, if you're the eighth guy on the roster and you're making $14.5 million and you're in the last year of your deal. Yeah, right. And people like you around the league, and like your value around the league is probably a little higher than it actually is on the team now because they're still living off of how good you were last year and aren't watching you game in and game out like they are, you know, like, well, like Jazz fans are. And here's where Covington comes into play, right? This is this is the exact type of team that Jazz would would shop Joe to because you look at Portland and you say, hey, guess what? You're going nowhere fast. How do you like paying that luxury tax right. bill? Not much. Robert Covington isn't doing much for you now right. anyway. And even if he were, you're still not going anywhere. Right. So why don't you take some luxury tax, some salary cap yeah. relief. A couple million bucks. In Joe Ingles. We'll take that salary off your hands, which you're not wild about paying yeah. anyway. And you're going to get it on both ends. We'll right. take the higher salary. And then that money's coming out of your books where Covington would not. Right. So and he's not even playing here for them anyways. Go. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's the exact type of deal. Boston is similar with Marcus Smart, although I don't know if Boston's waving the white flag quite yet like Portland should be. Sure. But Boston at 500 at this right. point in the season right. probably should be looking at very least a shakeup. But 
absolutely should be trying to move off Marcus Smart's contract. 100%. Have you looked into Marcus Smart's oh, contract? It's like four, th- th- that's the hard part for the Jazz is if you're taking Marcus Smart back, you got to pay him four years and $50 million. You know, like he's got a ton of cash left on his deal coming up. You forget that he signed a bird's rights deal right. with with Boston because he's been there his entire career. Right. And Marcus Smart, here it is. I've got it in front of me. He's making 14-3 this year. Next year, Ben, 17-2. So it's not four years 50. It's like four years 80. 17-2 the year after, 18-5 the year after yeah. that, 19-6 the year after that, and 21-3 in 25-26. And those are not option years. Those are all fully yeah. guaranteed. So, yes, Boston needs to trade him. If the Jazz were to go out and get a guy like Marcus Smart, you're bringing him in to be here for a year or two, and then you're trading him too, yes. trying to get out of that contract as well, to that, another team that's in the same situation the Jazz are, who are trying to win right. a title and need a defensive guard. Because that contract is brutal. Could be a poison pill at some point. Our friend Gordy Chase I always told us it's not the uh, it's not the price tag it's not the year it's the years there's no such thing as a bad one year contract right is what he said which is why Joe Ingles has a ton of value even if he's not giving you 14 million dollars of production he's, his, he's got value he's got value yes. that contract expires in a couple of months so there's a ton of value there so I don't see I don't think Joe will be on this roster after the trade deadline which will open up future opportunity for these players which is your point now they'll bring somebody back so the opportunity probably won't be all that Immediate, but it in might the be future. I think. I think if they're trading Joe Ingles, they're bringing back a front court player, and they will have opportunities for a Daniel House or a Jared Butler or a Trent Forrest to kind of mix in a little bit more. And if you if you somehow can land a starter in the trade market, it would probably take Joe and somebody like Bogdanovich. Yes, which is a huge gamble because I don't think you can trade Clarkson. So that just leaves Bogdanovich. And I I, don't, I wouldn't trade Bogey. He's just too good offensively. He's just too efficient. You know, big part of what the team does. Huge part. Huge part. He's you have to. Efficient. You have to guard him every time down the floor. Yeah, you have to get an all star or near all star back if from you're Bogdanovich. Do that. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Jake and Ben coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. The sports you love, the teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Five and twelve eighty the zone. Jake Scott, little Ben Anderson, with you here on ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Homey. Finally, the way real estate should be for service local agents. Uh, service local agents, and you'll save thousands. Homey, a better way to buy or sell. You know, you're you're going with Miracle Megan. I think I might go with Little Ben. Little Ben, you were called Little Ben. You can't say the other words they call me on the air, so it's probably better. Suns fans are Little up, Ben is fine, but the on the other today. noun they used instead of Ben was. Ben just insinuated a player was padding their stats and uh, is getting roasted by some I said fans. one guy, Devin Booker, likes to take shots against bad teams because he likes building up his numbers. Now, that's not to say he doesn't also put up good numbers against good teams, but he ain't taking 35 shots when he goes up against Golden State, when he goes up against Brooklyn. Like, you you play to win the game, and you play the right way against those teams. He knew the Suns were going to win last night, so he said, well, I might as well get mine. I don't need to get Cam Johnson involved. What are some of those things that aren't necessarily above board that everybody does, but I guess oh, what I... I steal staplers? No, I no, steal no. steal stuff from work all the time. Here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to, like... 
I remember on one time I basically insinuated that, of course, Coach K is cheating because you can't tell me that the best in a dirty sport yes. is not like the the Lance Armstrong thing, right? Like you, you, if the whole sport's doping and he's dominating the sport and he's the one guy who's not okay. All right. You Correct. know, but but how dare you say something, right? How I I got pushback from like the five Duke fans in this state. They were like, "How dare yeah. you accuse Coach K of cheating. This man is just, you know, on and on and on and on. It's like, you have no idea, right? So so you right. point out the fact that, that an NBA player, God forbid, is padding their stats. Because every NBA player that can pad their stats sure. does. Sure. Good players, bad players. How dare you, Ben? Right. How dare you? Yeah, what are those things in sports that everybody does and we kind of ignore, but it really is not like the greatest way to play. It's not like the way you would teach your kids necessarily Or at least you you don't like say it. You don't admit it. Jabari Parker saying, well, I don't get paid to play defense. I mean, maybe that's right. true, but you don't say that out loud. Yeah. And Carlos how Boozer, dare Carlos Boozer saying he's going to get a raise regardless. I'm getting a yeah. raise. Like yeah. you, we don't want to hear guys talk about their contract, especially while they're hurt. Yeah. The only thing they're ever thinking about is their contract. Like uh, every single player. The only thing they're ever thinking about is their contract. Every moment of the day. Every moment of the day they're thinking about their next contract. I know, I now, love that. That is, a, that is a result of the system. That is not a result of those people. The reason every single person does that once they get into the system is not because people get there. It's because the system turns them into that. The same way you're talking about Coach K. Do I think Coach K, if he was a, you know... If he was working at a, as a cashier, that he'd be stealing money and putting cash in his pocket? No, it's not a criticism of him, of him as a person. It's a criticism of the system, and also he succeeded at the highest level of that system. So, of course, he did it the same way everyone else did, the way Sean Miller did, the way every – I mean, what, what's his name? Who's, who's the legendary coach at uh, UCLA, basketball coach? John Wooden. Bill Walton, John Wooden. Like, man, he was paying his players, guys. He was paying his players. Cutting corners. That's how he got Kareem. That's how we got Bill Walton. Like, guys, it wasn't just because they wanted to go and play there. Guys were getting paid all over the country. Notoriously, you would take a pay cut going from UCLA to the NBA if you were certain players. Like, that's a very famous long-running joke, and it's also not false. So, yes, I think that is – you're right. People pad their stats against bad teams. It's a problem with the system. It's not a problem with the player necessarily. Some guys just do it a little less covertly. It's a problem with what the NBA rewards. 100%. And even with the the <laughs> no, nobody pads their defensive stats against bad teams. Well, even with the influx of of analytics and we get smarter numbers and those sorts of things, it all comes back to the box score that we grew up with in the paper, and that's what guys get paid off of, whether it's right or wrong, right? Yes. I mean, guys are going to get max deals. Bradley Beal is going to get a max deal because we open up the newspaper and go, "Good heavens, he scored thirty five last night." Not to mention that Bradley Beal is underachieved on his teams for his entire career. But the back of his basketball card says one thing, and that's what we believe. And even though even really smart NBA players do. So you set up that incentive structure, and can you really criticize players for going out and padding their stats? But it's this unwritten, oh, this is a team guy. How dare you pad your stats? But it's, it's a thing. Yeah. So you point that out. You say the quiet part out loud. Yes. And all of a sudden, everybody's coming after you. How dare you, Ben Hoops? Yes. You jazz writer, you. Point out the fact that Devin Booker smelled blood in the water with the roster that Jazz put out there, and he's going to go out and have a day. How dare you? There are guys in baseball who will swing on a 3-0 pitch with their team up eight runs. You're not supposed to do that. 
but they like getting the home runs. They like padding their stats. The game's over. You're up by eight runs. It's the seventh inning. Really, you should be swinging at everything or take the walk just to you know just to kind of keep the game moving. Some guys will swing on three zero up eight. You're not supposed to. It's an unwritten rule. But then if you bring it up, you get criticized for doing it. My favorite one in the NBA right now is the player that just misses getting the shot off before the buzzer. That is the ultimate one right now. <laughs> oh, I took an extra dribble oh, at no. half court. Missed it. Didn't want to mess with my field goal percentage. Dang it. I was just trying to set Dang myself it. up. Unless this is something I love about Jordan Clarkson who just says, you know what, I'll do it. If that's my role on the team to take the shot at the buzzer every time, sign me up. Let's make it happen. Uh, but yeah, you see that a lot in the NBA. So it's kind of those one of those funny things where you actually point something out that is entirely true, but an entire fan base is, how dare you notice? Are you an arrested develop, development of fan, Ben? Of course. The, the Scott Bayo ad, because he's a lawyer on mm-hmm. the show, and the Scott Bayo ad says, uh, are you in trouble for committing a crime that somebody else noticed? Correct. <laughs> Give me a call. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. You know? How dare you notice Devin Booker likes to pat his stats, Ben? Did you get that sound, Megan? We'll get it coming up next. Should we play that on the other side? Yeah, we'll get to that that. coming up next. Yep. Uh, Quinn Snyder talking about what the Jazz have learned amid all this adversity with not having any, uh, any players really on the floor. Uh, let's see real quick here. Jason suggests that's why pro athletes' bonuses should be tied to wins or playoff advancements. Uh, you know, front offices do that from time to time. Yep. Problem is, players like the benchmark bonuses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, yeah. Rudy Gobert pads his stats. Rudy Gobert absolutely pads his rebounding numbers. There's no question about it. That's why NFL players get so grumpy when they don't get like NFL teams will intentionally not play receivers on yes. purpose in late in the you know like 16th or 17th week of the season because if they get to 50 catches or whatever it is they have to pay them a bunch more money so they just tell the coach like hey we're not trying to win this game anyway so don't play that guy didn't Gronk in like week 16 or 17 make five hundred thousand dollars because Brady was like well you need X amount of yards and X amount of catches to hit these benchmarks in your contract because so many NFL guys sign no guaranteed money but all your money comes from when you do hit those benchmarks. And Brady took care of his guy. Brady said, yeah, I'll get you your money. I'll get you these catches and these yards you need to get there. Wasn't that the theory behind Antonio Brown's episode before it it was proven false, but that he was like six catches away from his bonus or something like that? And he actually wanted to play. Correct. And the coach didn't play him, but it actually turned out to be opposite. The coach wanted him to play and he didn't feel like he was able to go. All right, more next. We'll get you that Quinn Snyder sound straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.